Welcome to episode 48 of the Horror Dads podcast. I'm one of your hosts, John, and I'm missing Jamie for this brief introduction. And I'm going to do a little introduction here to a very special episode that we have. So this is your first time joining us. Um, This is an atypical one, but welcome. And this is still a great episode. Um, But we are going to be joined by the cast, uh, three cast members from the brand new 2021 Slumber Party Massacre film that's going to be released this week, October 16th, 2021 on Sci-Fi. So super revved uh, that we were able to uh, meet up with some really, really talented people. Um, But on this episode, we have Larissa Crawford Lazarus, uh, Michael Potter, and Eden Classens, all of whom are in the film. Uh, They act in the production. And uh, Michael Potter is a buddy of ours. He was was on our show back in episode uh, 26. Um, We covered the theme of uh, ensemble horror films. So our standard model is uh, we talk about a myriad of different horror films around a theme. However, this go-round, we're not doing that simply because uh, there are a bunch of people on the call, um, and it's kind of a special occasion. And in addition to that, we're working super hard to pump out um, content more rapidly for uh, the October season. So um, we hope you enjoy this one. It's a ton of fun. Um, one note on a, from a production standpoint, before we get into the interview, uh, there, there are, are five people on this call, uh, from three different continents. Um, it was, it was recorded in the middle of the day. Uh, we were in in four different time zones, so there's a lot of activity going on. Um, some people are in their cars for portions of it. So from a production standpoint, um, just appreciate a little bit of patience with that. Uh, there are text message uh, notifications going off and, and things like that, simply because uh, there were a lot of people sort of in the middle of the day, but we were really, really thrilled to be joined by so many talented people um, over the, the course of this, uh, this interview here. Uh, so this new film is uh, it's South African-based, and it, again, releases on October 16th, uh, 9 p.m. Uh, on Eastern Time on Sci-Fi, so this, this coming Saturday. So we, we hope you guys dig this one. It's a lot of fun. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and roll the trailer uh, before we get into the episode. Uh, so we hope you enjoy the episode. We hope you dig it. We hope you tune in um, to, the, to the new one. And we welcome to hear your thoughts about uh, the differences between new and old. And, and we hope you guys like this. So without fur- further ado, let's roll the trailer and get into the interview. It's time to start the slumber party. Stay inside, stay quiet, and stay safe. Hello? Whoa, dog. I love you. All right, welcome to episode 48 of the Horror Dads podcast. Hey. I'm your host, John, and I'm joined by my co-host, Jamie, as always. Uh, and we have a very special uh, off-the-beaten-path episode we're going to do today. <coughs> this uh, breaks breaks uh, the mold uh, that we typically do. Uh, we are, are joined by a handful of folks that are going to be kind of coming and going from the, the new production, which is set to release this week, uh, of Slumber Party Massacre. So... Uh, we got a lot of folks on the call, so let's just maybe 
kind of go through a little circle here and everyone can introduce themselves and maybe talk a little bit about, um, you know, who you play in the film and, and in the production. And we'll have some questions for you guys or, or how you're affiliated with the production if you didn't star in it. Uh, but let's start with our buddy, Michael Potter, who's back. What's up, man? Hey, man, it feels really good to be back. Yeah, wow. It's uh, it's almost a, a, a year to the day that I spoke to you guys the last time. And I think it's really good to come at you guys with good news uh, to go from Trigger to Slumber Party Massacre. It's um, it's incredible. Now, I need to preface this. Uh, I need to preface this podcast since I've kind of been tossed as being head of the, the union here. Uh, Danishkin has given us strict instructions that spoilers will be met with drill related death. So we, <laughs> so we are more than uh, we're more than happy to uh, discuss uh, discuss points of the film, uh, discuss comparisons between the old and the new. Um, you know, any sort of information that might have come up with uh, the critiques. But yeah, we a lot of the stuff has to be under lock and key. So I'm going to uh, plead the fifth on who I'm playing and rather say that I am playing uh, tree number seven. Look out for me. I'm in the train. <laughs> uh, what, what's the actual release date of the film here, uh, Michael? That is the 16th. Uh, that's this coming Friday. The 16th on the Sci-Fi Channel airing at, I think it's 10 o'clock. Uh, Eden, am I right? I think so, yeah. yeah. There we go. And, Amazing and Michael, so you're you're playing tree number seven, and you right. uh, <laughs> and you're hailing from South Africa, right? That's right, Johannesburg. Down in Johannesburg, awesome. So, Michael, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for coordinating this and for just being our friend and being a hell of a guy. We appreciate you. Yeah, man, we uh, we missed you every week. We go we go like, when do we get uh, Michael back on? <laughs> <laughs> Hey man, I've been listening to you guys. I've uh, been listening to you guys on and off every week for the last year. So I feel like I haven't missed you at all. I feel like I've caught up with you guys. But it's good to hear your voice. Good to see you guys on the other end of the screen. Now let's talk to the more interesting people on this call. Yeah, let's jump to Larissa. <laughs> Larissa, uh, you want to introduce yourself and uh, I guess what you can explain about your involvement with the film, um, Tree Number Four. <laughs> yeah, sure. Hi, um, my name is Larissa Crawford Lazarus. I play Diane. Um, I feel safe saying that. Um, yeah, this is actually my first feature film that I've been in. I'm kind of like fresh out of school. And um, yeah, it was a really great, I think, kind of like baptism into the world of filmmaking to be in this in this horror movie. Um, it was like, I mean, I've obviously never been on it on another set before, but everyone that I worked with was saying that this is like the best set they have ever been on. You know, everyone is really kind and it, it was so much fun, which is, you know, kind of ironic when you're making like really dark material and people are getting killed and we're like, you know, doing all that stuff. It's actually like a really, really fun work environment to have. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm new here in general. Um, so, yeah, it's great to great to meet everybody and, and great to be here to chat today. So Wes Craven, um, I, th I think it was Wes Craven that said that uh, horror films specifically were a ton of fun to make and that like comedies were very, very challenging and difficult <laughs> because everyone's like so on edge about delivering the punchline. Whereas in horror films, like you can just kind of have fun and like everyone wants to be the person that's killed or they want to be the killer or uh, so it's cool, cool to hear that 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 was the case in this circumstance. Yeah, for sure. It was like, it's so hilarious because we also, we shoot at night. So it's like, it'll be four in the morning 
and you'll be like six cups of coffee in and then <laughs> you know Ross Thorne will like come sit next to you covered in blood and be like so how's it going you know is it good it's like yeah I'm great. you know very cool well welcome Larissa we are really really excited to be able to check out uh, your first feature film yeah that's an amazing uh, like first film experience I feel like yeah uh, and we, ha- we also have Eden, who I hear is uh, not on camera, but Michael has said is the most handsome person in the film. So, uh, Eden, welcome. Oh, thanks a lot, man. Thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, had a massive jaw on this project. Um, love shooting horror, love dying. And um, yeah, I just think it's going to be a, a nice uh, punch, uh, you know, remake of a, of a good classic. And I think people are going to love it. Well, we're, we're excited to see it for sure. Yeah, all the uh, pre-release hype has been very, it seems like it's being very well received. Also, you guys, you sneaky bastards kept this under lock and key. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's the name of the game. You're, you're, you're doing these projects. Obviously, it's got a, it's got a big cult following the, uh, you know, the, the first few films. So you don't want to give anything away. And I think Danishka did a great great uh you know she did very well remaking the classic um and making it interesting and still keeping that essence and you know you don't want to you don't want to release that you want people to, to see it you know and uh, i think you know it was a great and fun to be part of the project yeah absolutely it's, it's also a massive uh it's a massive shout out to sci-fi as well that they kind of took us and uh, gave us all the faith in the world by giving us a sort of halloween like a Halloween time zone release. I mean, that's like one of the greatest uh, marks of confidence that a you know that a content provider can give you if they think, ah, you guys are scary enough for Halloween. So I think that a lot of that comes down to Danishka and Sci-Fi. I think they've taken such good care of this project and how it's been hyped, how it's been released, and yeah, just thanks to Sci-Fi and Danishka, I guess. Yeah, we're uh, we're revved, and it was it was crazy because Michael, you reached out to us. Um, on on instagram again and said hey uh your boy was in the new and i i think you you use the acronym um uh spm and i was like spm and i just kind of like went throughout my morning for a minute and i was like spm spm and then like 10 minutes later i got a press release from bloody disgusting and i was like oh my gosh um (laughs) so then it all sort of connected but yeah it was super under wraps um what was the the timeline like uh on, on production, like when did this start? And because we hadn't really heard anything about it over in the states. Um. Oh, wow, it was it was pretty it was pretty quick. Um, Eden, Larissa, yeah. please please yeah. chime in if I'm if I'm missing anything or saying anything in, um, incorrectly. Because I mean these these lucky two are Kentonians, so they were a little bit closer to the set. Whereas I was still working on Ubatina at the time, and I they pretty much flew me in for I think it was three days. And in those three days, they did all my scenes back to back, like Dimitri ready to yeah. care of me in that in that field. But I think it was basically early February to end of March. Is that correct? Um, am yeah. I correct in saying that? Yeah. yeah, we wrapped the the last week in March. Oh, um, March, yeah, yeah. But it was a uh, it was a it was a well well machine because you know we oh. I also I think I shot shot three or four days as well and. Uh, you know the crew was was on it, and it was it was everyone knew what they were doing. Obviously, a very professional set. So when everything's there and everything's ready, you know you just got to be ready with your with your uh, vibe and with your character. And 
everything just worked out. Again, it's, it's the environment that's, that's very important, but we were able to shoot quite quick um, with maximum effect, I would say. Awesome. Okay. So uh, how did this come to be a South African film? Well, I think you can thank the uh, you can thank the good people of Blue Ice. I think that um, Danishka uh, previously had done Vagrant Queen and she had done Banana Splits, and I think that she likes, from what I can tell, she likes uh, working in South Africa. And I think that it was just one of those things where there was an opportunity to do so. You had a good director, a good production company, and a good intellectual property, and it just happened to land south of the border, and we were just lucky enough to kind of um, to kind of get it. Yeah, it's just. I think so much goes into making a film, especially a film that has a cult following and an IP that's like sought after. And I think that it's, I think it just kind of, we just got lucky. I think we were very lucky that we were the part of the world that got chosen by a director and a production company that really believed in this project. So your guess is as good as mine, but I'm just happy it happened. Yeah, I, mean, I feel yeah, like, also, yeah, there is I was just thinking like, South Africa is such a gorgeous like country naturally. And we have all these like beautiful, you know, we have scenery that is all very close together. We have, we have mountains like by the sea and forests and vineyards and deserts. Um, so, and everything is really easily accessible. And I think also <laughs> if it's not too weird to like bring it up, I think it's cheaper, right? It's like less money to come to South Africa and put up a production than it would be to do that in the States, yeah. you know? Um, and I feel like also the talent pool is, is smaller, right, in South Africa than it is in the States. That's, so that, that the, for me, is very lucky too. Yeah, that's the whole thing that I, I wanted to mention as well is that, you know, in South Africa, we've got so much talent, man. We've got so much talent. We've got great actors. We've got well-trained actors um, in all aspects of the industry. And um, we don't usually get opportunities like this. We're able to play on an international stage, you know, with international, uh, you know, crew and, and production and so forth. So the fact that they were able to open, I think most of, I think all or most of the, uh, the characters to South African actors was a great opportunity for us as well. Cause it's giving us a little bit of a taste of what goes on, you know, overseas. And it's just great to be part of a production like that. Um, and I think the fact that they casted everything locally really, really was a, you know, a big, chance but at the same time you know so much talent and we're just happy to have been part of it yeah yeah john and i have been fortunate enough to meet and interview several you know actors filmmakers from south africa so like when we found out this was a south african film we were like it was like my aunt and uncle produced it i was like (laughs) my god yeah and it does seem for sure like there's a renaissance happening um with uh with production in south africa and, and larissa it, it, i assume that all your points are, are are what's probably driving that yeah um the same reason that you know a lot of production happens up in british columbia um yeah. rather than california right it's like okay hey we can skirt around labor union laws if we go up north of the border <laughs> and and it's less expensive and it's equally as pretty and it's um you know all, all of those things so yeah, it's like how Jason Takes Manhattan was shot in Vancouver for exactly. cost savings. Yeah, they're like, hey, get 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 your was, hand camera, uh, just get one shot at Times Square. Okay, good, good, good. Now get out. And we've got New York. I um, I was laughing with a, fr- a friend of mine the other day. He lives in Utah, 
And he told me that he lives about two streets up from where they filmed Hereditary oh. and where they oh, filmed uh, Kevin Kevin Bacon's montage in Footloose where he's dancing alone in the warehouse. So the first thing I'm doing when I get to Utah is we're obviously going to go to that house and do montage. But um, yeah, you have to. I think it's all, it's also a novelty thing. I think that you know everybody's seen you know, that shot of the Empire State Building. Everybody's seen that shot of the California, like Venice Beach, Fordwalk. But, you know, once you start going to more obscure places, like um, you start to find a beauty and shots that, you know, haven't really been committed to film yet. And I think that gives your film the ability to be quite novel. That being said, though, I think stepping out onto the set and seeing the Crystal Lake sign, I just got goosebumps because I thought they nailed it. They absolutely nailed it. I won't give too much away, but I'm just saying they nailed it. I I think a couple of things from what you just said. Firstly, uh, before you go to Utah, you have to come to Ohio. So yes, let's, that's, let's that's go the, ahead and get that. Man. You're going to fly right, right into Cleveland. <laughs> We're going to get exactly. the beer, uh, and then, then you'll head to, to Kevin Bacon's uh, warehouse. Uh, exactly. Footloose. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, Michael, we've talked to you. Um, over the past year about a lot of horror related stuff, but Larissa and Eden, are are you both, are you horror fans in general or did, did the role kind of just, just come about or how was working on a horror film in terms of like your fandom? Yeah, honestly, I'm totally, totally new to it. Um, I'm like, <laughs> I was all into like drama and like, I did mostly theater. You know, I went to, to, to school in, in New York as a theater actor. Um, and I saw like, what was it? I saw, um, what's, what's the one, um, Emily Blunt, where you have to be quiet, a quiet place. So that one, <laughs> I, I love, <laughs> I love, I love what I've seen, but I'll admit I have not seen a lot. And I, I was pretty much like not aware of, you know, the original slumber party massacre, um, but in like doing research on the film, I was like, oh, wait, there's this video that I that I absolutely love that I actually I sent the casting director when I got the email that I was going to be in it. It's a videotape of like an eight year old boy unwrapping his Christmas present. And it's a VHS of Slumber Party Massacre. And he goes, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I got Slumber Party Massacre. <laughs> and I sent that to the casting director. I was like, so this was me this morning. Um, but it's like it's got a huge cult following and that I totally didn't know about and and people that I went to school with when they you know when it was announced they were like you're in this I was like people know about it so I was I was totally totally ignorant to it but um I also like when it came I was it just it just felt really right because um it was one of I think actually it was the only like American audition that I got that year and um like having lived in the states for a bit I I felt like that was kind of something I could I could step into pretty easily but also the fact that it was horror I was kind of just like that seems like something that I I don't know just like have the vibe for (laughs) um and also it's so like female heavy obviously, which is kind of ironic that I'm the only woman on this call at the moment, but, um, there are like, there are lots of women in this movie and it was written by a woman. It was directed by a woman, obviously. So, um, the fact that it was so, you know, such a girl movie uh, was something that I was really excited about. Um, and yeah. And then obviously it was fascinating to kind of, um, get into the history behind it, get into the original screenplay, 
um, and like how I understand that it it was written as a sort of um, you know the all the nudity and and that shower scene and everything was kind of like a, a, a prerequisite to like, if you want to get this movie made, there better be some naked girls in it, you know, back in the eighties. Um, and like being informed by that history of like what, what we used to have to like have women do on screen in order to, you know, just get people to watch the movie or like, you know, watch it again. Um, that was really interesting to kind of be informed by where that came from and then to reflect on where we are now in terms of that, I feel like women were completely in control of this movie, you yeah. know, and, and it's funny you mentioned um, that too, because our buddy that we showed Slumber Party Massacre to last night, um, it was his first experience with it. And as, you know, as, as people, I, I'd like to think are good stewards of, of, and, and are aware of social issues. You know, we were sitting there watching that. And when the movie started, and all the 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 nudity was he he honestly was like what the fuck is happening right now <laughs> because and now in his 2021 brain he was like this isn't how movies are supposed to be and he was like oh this is super 80s so that 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 really reinforces your point there of um you know a movie in the 80s you know you had to check a certain number of boxes and that the original also directed by a woman um and it did have its 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 very obvious um very very obvious and literal uh uh reflections on on uh women's empowerment and feminism um i think uh especially toward the end there but uh yeah that that's that's fascinating take and i'm 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 so excited to to see your performance in this uh, larissa and and i do hope that some of the other um uh women from the film are able to jump on to the call here yeah yeah yeah, uh, they've yeah they've got their uh They've got their uh, link, but I think that trying to get uh, the actors as talented and booked as they are on a Saturday <laughs> afternoon, that was hard enough, man. Also, didn't I tell you about Eden? Look how handsome he is. I didn't know if it was solid. Yeah, he's now but... on camera. And Eden, you're a handsome man, buddy. Hey, man. Thanks, man. man we appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, Michael, you, did, you didn't undersell it, bud. <laughs> but Eden, what's your what's your relationship with horror, man? Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm about to get out here, so I'm just going to... Yeah, hit it for you guys quick um love horror my favorite genre by far um nice. and the reason for that probably is the fact that i like to feel the tingles up my spine as i'm watching a film most of the times i watch horror films um testing that you know is this scary enough is this actually disturbing me to the point where i get a little you know a little weird a little scared i would say um, and I think um, that's been the draw card for me for horror film for a long time. I'm a big, uh, big fan of, of dramatic, uh, you know, stories and so forth. But when it comes to that, it's just like a guilty pleasure. And a lot of people don't, a lot of people don't understand uh, horror in that sense. You know, they, they take it always as a very literal aspect when you, when you're looking at deaths and when you're looking at, you know, whatever the genre might be in demonic things or something happened that's just a little you know, taboo, you know, most people run away from that um, because they really take it in a, in a literal sense where I'm more of a, you know, let's, this is a movie. Let's see what happens. Yeah. You know, let's see, you know, how people can die and what's, you know, creative things they can do. And, uh, and that's my draw card to it. And I think when the opportunity came to, to be part of this project, um, I jumped to it because, um, 
I like dying on film, firstly. Um, but, uh, you know, secondly, the the character was, and again, alluding to what we we're talking about, the woman empowerment, the film was going to be something different. And, uh, you know, I mean, there's a specific scene, and I think it is in one of the trailers, so I'm going to mention it, though, um, where, you know, we are having a pillow fight where the original was was you know, female dominant. And, and I mean, it's just amazing having this group of guys just going at, going at it with this, uh, you know, with this scene. And it's just a juxtaposition of what it was back then. Um, and for me to be part of that was, was great. Now, I would say this, um, that I might play a character in this film that exposes himself a little bit in a place where water falls, where you clean yourself. But um, for me to to read that and, and be part of that his history was was an incredible opportunity. And funny enough, I booked three films in one month where exposing my behind, trying to keep it PG, was a prerequisite. And I almost, you know, for the first film, I almost didn't want to do it and then I decided to do it and when I got the brief for this film I said well I already said yes so I can't say no now and then when I got it for the third film I was like well this seems like my life's moving to this to this path where I'm just going to expose myself <laughs> the whole time um, but it was great to be part of it you know shooting uh, through the night on location that's the gold standard for an actor you know when you're on a, an amazing set when it's scary when it's the middle of the night two three o'clock in the morning the best things happen when it's on a horror set and I think we were able, myself and Michael were working together, um, you know, most of the time because of our characters and um, because we were both trees. Um, <laughs> but um, it was it was just great to be part of the experience. And, uh, you know, Danishka's great. She let us do our thing as well. Um, and I just think the whole crew and everything was great. And I think that's one of the – this, this, this film has – probably two two moments in it that's uh, that i'm going to take to my grave essentially because no pun intended because um it's just so much fun to shoot horror i have fun and again it's it's like you said comedy is hard comedy i play daily i play a comedic character on a show and it's a lot of fun but when you're shooting something like this that we shot where it's mostly everything that you see on screen that's horror and crazy and scary when that take ends, everyone just bursts in laughing because that's exactly what we just did. And for me, um, I just had a blast. I love horror. I love the genre. And uh, I can't wait to see people's reaction to it, though. Awesome. Well, we appreciate that, man. And and we, we understand you've got another commitment. So if you got to jump, uh, don't feel bad about it. We we just appreciate your time, man. And we, we can't wait to see, uh, see you in the movie. And, and maybe we'll do a follow-up after... Uh, after the film's been released and, and do a comparison or something. That'd be great. Yeah. See the, see the, uh, the public's reaction to it. I think it's going to be, it's going to be good. It's going to be very positive. Yeah. But guys, thank you so much for having me on Michael. Thanks so much. And uh, just keep on doing your thing. I'm sure you're going to get a lot of the different uh, takes and opinions with all the ladies coming on. Um, and at the end of the day, we just want to have fun and, and you know, show the people, you know, that horror is amazing and it's a great genre. And hopefully we show that through the fall. Awesome. Well, thanks, Eden. Appreciate your time. Yeah, man. thanks for the time, man. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Yep. Take care, bud. Bye, everybody. Bye, Eden. Cheers. Cheers, man. Cheers, cheers. Bye. So, Michael, uh, for those that may have missed, um, I think it was episode 24 that you were on? 26? I think it was... It's either 20, I think it's 26. 26. I think it might be 26. 
Yeah. yeah, I think it was 26. So Michael um, was on episode 26. So if you haven't listened to that one, you guys can go back and check it out. But um, you want to give a quick synopsis of your relationship with horror? Oh, yeah, sure. I um, I think I started out like anyone else kind of getting the wrong VHS or flicking through channels and finding that like <laughs> one scary movie when you were way too young. And then from there, I think it's just the fascination of kind of staying up late, watching the kind of forbidden uh movies or like going to the going to the vhs store and kind of like renting out i'm dating myself here but what can you do and finding like the vhs with the scariest graphic and being like yeah that's what i'm getting so i mean i've been raised on a steady diet of like angsty indie films and horror since a very young age and i think that <laughs> getting to play in slumber party massacre it was um it was a movie that i was completely unfamiliar with but i think you know going back and doing research and seeing the following that it has, you know, we were stepping into some pretty big shoes. Yeah. And I think that at no point did I feel unsafe. And at no point did I feel that we weren't going to pull it off simply because the costs were unbelievable. The crew was exceptional. And Tanishka is just, the, she's the best ringleader. I think she knows how to get the best out of you. And what I think sets her aside from so many directors is a lot of directors tell you what to do. You do what they tell you. Dinesca makes you want to do it. And as a result, you give like 10%, 20%, 30% more every single time because she makes you believe in what it is she's doing. I think she's so passionate, so driven by her vision that you can't help but get swept up in it. And yeah, I think that it was an absolute honor to to play in this because I mean, this is, I mean, this is 1980s uh, B-movie horror like royalty. But I mean, the spin that Dinesca's turned it into is outrageous. I mean, the fact that, we were speaking about this quite briefly um, last week when we did our call, but the fact that horror is now in a very cool place where it is going to festivals and being considered as high art, you know, like movies like Hereditary, Midsummer, The Banana Splits. Now, you know, it seems as though Slumber Party Massacre is kind of getting the same love from the festivals that we've seen. And it's just, it's so humbling. And I'm glad that people are reacting to it the way they have. Yeah, like I said, everything I've read has been positive. But this is not a shot-for-shot remake, right? It's more of a reimagining? Hell no. Yeah. Absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) Which I love. I love that you guys uh, kind of flipped it on its head and did something different. Because um, I think if you kind of just did the same standard fare, I don't know that it would be received as well as it seems like it's being received. Just Michael in the shower for like 10 minutes in the beginning. (laughs) (laughs) Why would a tree be in a shower, guys? Come on. Thanks. So, yeah, can I can I jump on that? What you were just saying, Michael? Because I want to like go on the bandwagon of tooting mm-hmm. Danishka's horn because she is just like really, really incredible leader. And I think with this film, especially, um, it's really lovely that we have the you know the '80s film in existence because I think it sets up an expectation um, that we then have the opportunity to kind of um, you know defy and. Uh, I think especially because um, these characters that we're portraying um, could so easily, especially in the genre, become kind of a stereotype, become kind of a character of like the girl who's going to die. But in this version, Danishka was very much um, determined that like this is not, you know, in any way um, a bunch of empty stereotypical girls at a slumber party and that we're very much creating real, you know, humans. Um, with, you know, and like a, a world of depth and emotion and, and experience. Um, and especially like young women who are, who are just, 
you know, finishing high school and like kind of at the beginning of their lives. And, you know, you see characters like that and they're so full of potential and hope, but also at that age, like hormones and, and anger and, and so many things that you get to get to bring out. And like, that's the place that you start from. And then it just turns into obviously, you know, a pretty, pretty weird night because there is a, a murderer with a, with an obscenely large troll that shows up. <laughs> but, um, just in terms of like that being, I think one of the first conversations that we had with Danishka of like, you know, this is a film about, about women and, and in no way are we trying to play into the stereotype that maybe will be expected, you know, informed by, informed by the, the original. And I think that what's been really cool about um, my experience with it and also what I can see the, uh, the viewers are saying about it is that Danishka's kind of hit the sweet spot in that, I mean, Danishka and her team, of course, and sci-fi, they've hit the sweet spot in that they've really kind of like brought in the cult following and let them say, this is an extension of this universe. But at the same time, anything that might've like kind of been, you know, left as archaic, Danishka's updated, as Larissa has said, like you have characters with nuance. You've got very tongue-in-cheek, self-aware, self-effacing um, humor. And um, man, I can't wait for you guys to see the twist, honestly, because I remember. <laughs> so I, the, the way that the script came to me is I went through like a hundred auditions. I was like, maybe, at, at same as same story as Triggered as it always is. I was like a hundredth on the list out of a hundred people. And I just kind of like stayed scrappy and kept fighting for the top. Um, and I just got very lucky. But I remember doing my research and I remember like sitting with the script and sitting with Slumber Party Massacre next to it. And I kept looking, I'm like, how is this the same movie? Because it, you know, it was a complete deviation from the original, but at the same time, the same like charm and the same uh, sort of, I can't explain it. The essence of the film is still there, but it's just been completely reshaped. And um, I made the mistake of watching it in Starbucks. Oh boy, I had to leave that Starbucks <laughs> very quickly. Yeah. Wait, you were watching <laughs> but, the original uh, Summer Party Massacre in Starbucks? Well, for the first 10 minutes, and then I had to leave. Because I'm like, <laughs> I can't do this. <laughs> I have to go. Yes, sir. We're going to have to ask uh, you to leave. <laughs> sir, sir. sir. <laughs> They're children eating scones. <laughs> but yeah, it's it really is um, an incredible reimagining of what it could be. And I think that Danishka has also opened a portal here where I think that a lot of um, avant-garde artistic filmmakers are going to start going through like the bargain bin of their old like VHSs and kind of saying like, how can we remake this? Like, how can we remake this with that sort of self-effacing, uh, self-effacing twist. And I think, you know, it's hysterical to think that if you take a look at the um, the demographics of viewership and consumership, the people who consume the most horror are most of the time either female or transgender. Oh, like men, really? men consume a lot I didn't of. Know that. Yeah, like like the thing is, like you have more men watching horror, but if you take a look statistically speaking at like a pie chart of women and what they watch, most of the time it's true crime, it's horror. Oh, and it's, it's it, wow. and what's happened for years and years and years is that it's this amazing demographic and fandom that has been ignored because of why sexism, which is ridiculous. And I think what's been so great is there's this embrace to say, let's love the thing that we love, but let's like 
let's make it all inclusive. And as a result, you get a movie that is just, I don't know. It was such a pleasure to like, what I'm hoping is that it was such a pleasure to make. I really hope it's as good to watch because we had a blast on that, on that shoot. It was just such a positive energy. Everybody was just so committed and everyone was so happy to be there. Out of curiosity. So did, as part of your auditions, were you asked uh, if you had a relationship with the original Summer Party Massacre? Uh, it, it, once you got to the callbacks, I think once you're doing like the, um, when you're doing the the first couple of auditions, they're just seeing as many bodies as they can to kind of like get the train moving. But I think once you start getting to the callbacks, round two, round three, things are getting a bit more serious. That's when they start to like pry you with questions, pry you with, you know, What's your original? Have you seen it? Like, you know, would That's, you be comfortable doing this? It's super this? interesting that pretty much all of you basically said, uh, I knew it existed, or Larissa, in your, in your case, you didn't know it existed. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then you developed your relationship with it in the sa- through the same lens that our buddy did last night when he watched it. Um, yeah. And and it's also reimagining of the film. It's like assembling a jury to make sure, like, there's no bias prior to... Cause, like, yeah. If Jamie and I were like, hey, do you want to be in the Summer Party Massacre? It's like, yep, let's, uh, I'll do the pool scene. Let's cut off the tip. Uh, get, get this yeah. go. Um, and that to, to the, to lend to the film the intent, um, that you're kind of describing, you know, it was kind of like, all right, let's, let's, let's death to the author, right? Like, let's, let's do this from now, um, not from then. Uh, so that's, that's really, really fascinating. Yeah, and to uh, piggyback off that, did Danishka kind of want you guys to erase what you knew of the characters, or did she kind of want you to play off? Like, Larissa, did you, you're playing Diane, did you kind of, like, yeah. uh, feed off of, like, her character from the original, or did you just reinvent it? No, uh, yeah, Danishka, we spoke about it, and she was like, we're in no way trying to emanate, you know, those performances. Um, we want this to be our own version. And I, I mean, I, I barely watched the whole film, to be honest. I think I, I watched bits of it once and then I kind of put it out of my mind because, you know, you don't want to be thinking about how someone else played the part when you're trying to come up with how you're going to do it. Cause you just want to play it from, you know, a place of sincerity and, and whatever your reaction is to it. But I also, we've been mentioning Danishka by name so much that I just wanted to also add, you know, Suzanne Kiley, who wrote the script as someone that we should shout out obviously because that's a really huge part of what made this possible i know that she and Danishka work together on the script but um yeah i uh there is a more in-depth conversation that we can have but we can't have it without me spoiling you know some of the plot but um next month in terms of <laughs> yeah. the relationship between the original characters and what and what we're doing today it's very much that i think we wanted to kind of have this um we wanted to sort of show that we, we see women differently in this in this version, but uh, it's not because they weren't already this way before, but they just weren't, you know, put under that lens before. Women have always been like badass and able to take control of situations, but not ever really allowed, especially when it was from a more, you know, traditional archaic perspective when we needed to put them in the victim roles in order for it to move the plot forward. Um Whereas in this film, it's like, even if we still see them in the same context that they were before, we are, you know, shining a light on these different elements of them and different aspects of their personality that have always existed. We just haven't ever like put that under the microscope in the way that, that this film is going to. Yeah. And that, that's, 
really, really encouraging to hear too. Because I, so I have two daughters, seven and 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 three, soon to be four. Um, and I just think of you know Jamie and I growing up watching things like Summer Party Massacre. You know, obviously had an impact on our on our development as kids, right? Sure. Um, but it's just really nice to hear that. You know, hopefully my kids are going to be sneaking in, turning on sci-fi at night after I go to bed <laughs> and watching things like this and, and extracting different, you know, um, extracting different meaning from from film. So knowing that that that's being represented and there are people, you know, carrying that torch and, and being stewards of that is uh, is really nice to hear as a, a father of, of two beautiful girls that I want to grow up to be strong, um, independent women. So that's a. It's nice to hear. Yeah, absolutely. I'm seeing that kind of everywhere across the entertainment industry, um, even outside of the the horror genre of like women, both on screen and off screen, stepping up into, you know, leadership roles, directorial, you know, producers, writers, like really, you know, taking control of it. And it's it's taken a long time. And I think obviously we still have a long way to go. But um I think we're we're well on our way, and this film I think is like a shining example of of you know something that is, as I said, written directed by women. Um, also, Larissa, the majority of the cast is female. Yeah, d- don't please please do not think that every horror movie from the eighties is like Slumber Party Massacre. We're gonna send you <laughs> a list. We're gonna get you a okay. syllabus of things uh, things that you can watch um, because as as you're new to the genre. Um, I mean, it's a it's it's good enough movie, but um, we'll get you some recommendations that'll. Yeah, and we were that. we were curious how many of the cast had not seen and like had no relationship with the original, and like what the reactions were. Like, did you guys like meet for lunch one day and like, God damn that movie? Ugh. <laughs> well, we were like, it was pandemic when we were filming, right? So yeah. I I've ne- I hadn't met Mike or Eden before. We all had one collective Zoom call where oh. we did the table read where everyone briefly met. But um, a lot of us were not on set at the same time. Um, so I've only been in person with a small percentage of the cast. But also, yeah, a lot of us are like currently in our early mid-20s. Um, we're not alive in the 80s. And um, yeah, um, I don't really want to speak for anyone else, but I, I do. There's quite a large percentage of us who who hadn't seen the film prior to getting this audition, and then obviously going and watching it and and being like, whoa. <clears throat> um, but yeah, uh, I I don't think I'm the only one that that was unaware of this. And I feel like that was kind of their intention too. You know, like um, let's wipe the slate clean, let's use the same characters, but let's have some people who may not have that relationship so that it doesn't taint what we're going for now, you know? And I also think too that, I mean, for, for, for its faults, I do think that in 1982, there were a lot of themes that, that were attempted to be tackled at least. There was, there was an attempt. Yeah. You think of the men in this movie, like bumbling morons, like peeking through windows and shit. Like, they're, yeah. Those are your protectors. Like, nope, they're not protecting anything. No, and yeah. put, putting uh, two hot dogs on someone's eye after they get punched. <laughs> like, they're oh, stuff like that. You know, if you're just watching it, not paying attention, like you you'll miss that that subtext because it's not subtle. It's very very literal. 
Yeah. Um, Using the dead guy as like a pizza table. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and then I, I know we, we mentioned the end of the original um, when <clears throat> this ridiculous... Okay, first off, let, can we have a conversation about what actual use a drill bit that size would have in life? That honest, what, honestly, what like f- I remember, um, I remember, speaking, I remember speaking to our our resident villain, and he, the research that he had done is like apparently it would be in like some sort of like mining context or like big like sort of like lumber yards. But the thing is, it would never be attached to something that someone's carrying around. It would be like connected to a bigger machine. But honestly. I love that part of it because I think that it it's when you have horror of that nature, you can either say we are going to ground this in realism as much as we can, or you say, you know what, we're going to go. Don't think too hard about this. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We're going to go. It's like, you know what, we're going to go completely the other way. Yeah. And in that way, it adds, I mean, there's a very surrealist self-effacing tone to the movie and i think that the giant drill bit actually adds to it and i mean what i love about what Danishka's done is that she has like this isn't one of those things where she's taking a look at the original and said all right burn it down and start over she has because i mean anyone can do that anyone can do a hard reboot Danishka had the bravery to go in there and say all right we're going to use this we're going to leave this behind we're going to paint over this we're going to leave that behind and as a result for those who are fans of the original movie the number of Easter eggs that you're going to see, references, throwaway lines, that sort of stuff, it's going to blow the mind. And what? And honestly, when you have an intellectual property that's like over the age of like 20, that's something that you can really capitalize on because people who are watching it for the first time get an entirely new experience. But those who are coming back, they will be rewarded for their previous viewing, but also have an entirely new experience. And I think that there's something so cool about that i can't say anymore because i will spoil it but there are so many damn easter eggs you guys are gonna think it's april like i'm so excited for you guys to watch this yeah i i want to jump on that what we were saying about the drill and it's kind of hilarious right I, and, and Danishka said to us she was like oh this is a comedy this this is like a horror comedy um and the thing that's wonderful for me about it rob van theeren who plays russ thorne is actually he is such a chameleon but he's he's predominantly a comedian in South Africa. He's a very well-known stand-up comedian, which I was like, where else in the world would this happen? This is another wonderful thing that occurred because, you know, they decided to come to South Africa and shoot. Is that like one of our, our top comedians ends up playing, you know, Russ Thorne. It's like it's like having John Mulaney play you know a villain in a horror movie like that just wouldn't happen but except that it absolutely would and does and i'll i'll never in my life forget for the first table read that we had over zoom how rob was sitting at home um reading his lines for russ with a tiny drill like a handheld electric (laughs) drill that he uses at home and then he would just it wasn't scripted but he would just intuitively like whenever he felt the need for it like (laughs) press the button and the drill bit would go off and i would just be like canning myself at um at that but it's it's really scary too like the bits that we've seen of it in the trailer when he like shows up with the thing and i just think i love you (laughs) (laughs) uh like um uh, First of all, Larissa, I just keep thinking about like 
John Mulaney as Freddy Krueger now. Like, you guys get back here. <laughs> like, I want to see that more than anything. No. But yeah, like, it's it really it really is one of those things where the more you kind of like break down the film and the composition of the film down into its atoms, it's incredibly strange. But for whatever reason, when it came together, it worked. And I think that it, it's that sort of like very, very meticulously planned, um, very meticulously planned sort of uh, spots that Danishka wanted us, wanted us to hit, combined with the fact that I don't know what your experience was, Larissa, but for most of us, we got given a lot of um, free reign. Where you know what I love about Danishka is that there are marks that you have to hit, but you'll say, "Listen, you know what's happening in this scene. Uh, say it like this, or say it another way. You know, let's see what works." And I think that the minute that you give your actors and your creatives that sense of autonomy and that sense of trust, they will give you the greatest effort that they can give because they feel like they have a stake in it. And you can see that. I mean, to give you an idea, to put Danishka over even more, what was so humbling about that set is that. There were so many. There were so many women in places where you would usually see men. Like I mean, like yeah. a female boom, boom, like a uh, boom holder yeah. and sound engineer. That doesn't happen very often. And it was so cool to have her on there. And like predominantly female, very huge LGBTQ plus um, uh, presence. And just everyone was so nice. And I think filming in filming in Stellenbosch in in the eponymous uh, Crystal Lakes. It was like, for me, I, I've often described it in the same way as I did um, with Triggered, but I felt like I was in Disneyland, like to, to watch these characters. And then all of a sudden I've gone somehow, I've stepped into the TV and now I'm part of this world. I mean, it's, there's, there's I no I have a question like about it. that. Um, yeah. So as, as an actor, and Larissa, I, I know this is your first feature film, but with your with your history in, in acting and, and studying it, um, I'm sure you have a, a lot to say about this question. So when you embody a character, do you feel like it's a, you have a responsibility? Like this is probably a little more unique simply because of all the subtext and, and um, issues that this specific film is addressing. Um, but do you feel like you have a responsibility, I guess, to like, to represent like a cause in the form of your role, I guess? In, in, in even so michael you you played a shithead and triggered right so like how dare you <laughs> but like to to have to like really embody that right because like you have to prove a point in in the form of that role especially that movie because like everyone is a very specific like character trait in the form of a person um but do you guys feel that way like you have a responsibility when you're playing a character uh, absolutely yeah, I mean, absolutely have responsibility. I I kind of would like you to say more about representing a, a cause. Like, what do you mean? Rep- what what kind of cause? Can you give me an example? I, I guess just all of the causes that are being addressed, and maybe cause is the wrong word, but the ideas of, you know, objectification, of satire, of all the yeah. things that were present in some form or another in the original Slumber Party Massacre, I guess, like, mm-hmm. as you're playing your character, are you? Is it like, okay, there's a thesis to this film, and or a set of concepts to this film that we need to make sure, like, we're nailing down each time we step or step in front of the camera to like to to prove this point, or is it like as simple as, oh, I've got this scene, and I'm just gonna nail this scene? Um, uh, I think it's both. I yeah. think it's both. I think we have we have really extensive conversations beforehand about 
you know, one of the first things I asked was like, why, why are we making this film now? Like, why does the world need to see this remake of Slumber Party Massacre today in the context of what is going on of like what people are fighting for social justice issues? Like we talk about that extensively. And then obviously getting to compare it to the, the 80s movie even like just creates a bigger contrast and makes it almost easier because you can sort of look at what, you know, maybe was, I don't, I don't want to say what was missing from it, but kind of like where the, where the contrasts are and what the gaps are that you want to fill. So we, we definitely have those conversations. Um, and, but I think it, it's very much uh, a group effort in terms of fighting for those things in that it starts with what's in, what's in the script, what's on the page that was put there by the, by the writer. And then the, the director is responsible for bringing that off of the page and putting that on the screen. But you know, the director then works with the actors individually to make sure that we understand what our goals are for it and that we all have the same kind of um, objective in mind about what we want people, you know, for this film. I, I feel like we wanted to show them these women in these situations and we just really wanted them to care about it, you know? Um, what, so... I don't, I don't like to get really like bugged down on one specific reaction you're trying to evoke because that can get a bit complicated and everyone has their own reaction. But I think we, we do have a general idea of what we want to resonate and how we want it to resonate. And you spend weeks and months talking about that. But then when you get onto set, for me at least, and I think every actor has their own preference for it, it is kind of like, all right, now I become this person. Now I become Diane. Diane's 18 years old. She's going to a slumber party and she feels these things. Um, and then you kind of, while playing a scene, I think you just try to really be present and you try to just work with what is happening between you and the other actor and in the environment. Um, it's really sort of like letting yourself just be really affected by whatever is coming in. At that moment, I don't think that I'm really thinking so much about what I want this to do because we did that work, you know, and, and Danishka's over there making sure that, that that's going to happen because my biggest thing is that I have no idea what it looks like when I'm in it, you know, mm -hmm. I'm on this side, like, I don't know what the picture is, but that's why, you know, you trust your director 100% that, that they are, you know, seeing that and that if anything is, is straying from the from what we talked about, you know, before, from what we said we wanted to do that she'll ring it back in. But I think that's why pre-production is so important. That's when, that's when those conversations happen. But when you get down to set, it's kind of like, you know, we only have so many hours of light, like we got to do this now. Yeah. And then you're just, I think you're just, you're just going off of impulse. And once you've laid the foundation, it's then easy to almost forget about it and just play and trust that it'll be there in the end. That's really, really interesting. Guys, I can't top that. So Larissa, just, <laughs> I, yeah. like, I can't, are you kidding me? I can't top yeah, that. Yeah, don't even try. No. No, yeah, no way. I just, and this is coming from our ignorance, you know, I work as a marketing director. Jamie works in logistics. We, we don't work in film. We watch it, right? Um, mm. We're cinephiles basically in horror only. So like our, our window is this big and our world is our families and our kids and Luckily, yeah. being able to do this on a Saturday with wonderful people such as yourselves. But um, yeah, that's that's fascinating and that's interesting. And it's also, um, I don't know, it's uh, pretty inspiring to hear. Yeah, oh, definitely. That's great. But I also think that like 
the horror genre is is not a tiny window. I think it's really all encompassing. And you know, as I said, I'm new to it, but I feel like that it encompasses like a lot of the other things. Like it, it's funny, it's it's comedy, but it's also drama. You know, it's real human stories. Um, and and there's such a, I think such a permission in the horror genre that is kind of absent from other genres in that like there's a lot of stuff that you really can't do in in like serious family kitchen sink dramas that you can <laughs> of course you can do it in a horror movie like of course you can chop someone's head off and put their body in the fridge um and so i think that is such a great great place to to live and and to kind of get you know like let your freak flag fly in a way because there's so much that we can't get away with in life when we're just going to the supermarket and, and going to work. But Eden touched on that a little bit too. And I think similar to um, concepts such as, um, hey, you can't be a marketing executive and a dad and like horror, like per per the social, you know, the social context states that. Um, mm. it's, it's unfortunate well, it's fortunate and unfortunate, but again, we're in this renaissance now where movie, you know, uh, reimagining such a slumber party massacre can be made without having to show gratuitous nudity for the first 45 minutes. Right. So now it's like, yeah. okay, guys pass that bullshit. Like we can, we can make a film now and, yeah. and cover topics without having to check, uh, you know, ridiculous boxes. I think similarly horror in general is now being recognized for a lot of what you just uh, stated, Larissa, of, hey, you know, there's subtext here, there's there's intelligence to this, there's commentary, there's social commentary, um, and things are being talked about in indirect ways, and there's allegory, and there's representation, and if you think about it for a minute, it's not all gratuitous. Um, so similarly, like, those parallels hitting, you know, part of why Jamie and I do this is because, um, you know, we are dads in, like, really white suburban midwestern communities where it's still pretty unpopular to say like hey yeah i i have horror tattoos and i and i was up mm. till one in the morning last night watching slumber party massacre and yeah i fed my kids dinner and i read them stories and i love them eternally and i'm gonna go to work and still be a human being and it's okay like you can do those two things um i was I was trying to remember which which one of your dads was it the one who said every time you wear your horror merch, oh look at that, he's in his costume again. <laughs> my, uh, my dad. <laughs> it was your dad, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah. yeah, man, I, and I think that that's that's kind of what's been really cool about this movie is, and I remember, you know, like uh, Larissa, I'm sure you can you can comment on this. Like, you go to a hundred auditions, and sometimes the script is great, sometimes it's terrible, sometimes it's very middle of the road. What I loved about this is this is one of the first ones that jumped off the page. And I think what I liked about it, it was, you know, the first audition, you get like that much of the script to work mm -hmm. off of. And now you all of a sudden have to like say, okay, what is the subtext? What am I actually saying? Why am I saying this? Who is this guy? And then as you kind of get higher and higher in the audition process, they give you more and more of the script to work with. And then eventually they gave me the entire script and I remember it was one of the first scripts in a very, and, and shout out uh, to Sue on that. That was one of the first scripts that I read. And I just thought, this is really funny. Like this genuinely made me laugh. And I had, and I hadn't felt that way since Triggered. Where Triggered, I remember reading that script and being like, this is really funny. And I think that there's something really cool about the fact that 
you take something and create nuance. I think horror is one of those really cool genres where it attracts such a myriad of people that you think you can have your your autos snobs who are watching like The Witch and The Lighthouse and Midsummer and then uh shame I, I I subjected the boys to uh to what's it pro wrestlers versus zombies which is technically a horror film but oh, I don't know if that's winning a God. Peabody award anytime soon <laughs> but it's like the the enjoyment and the fans that kind of like get brought out as a result of this one genre that comes down to one of the most innate human emotions or reactions which is fear and the suspension of disbelief and I think that this is definitely a movie that plays with those boundaries quite a lot and it's going to be interesting to see who becomes a fan of this movie and the the kind of widespread of different people who enjoy this movie. I, I can't wait to meet them. I can't wait to hear what they have to say and what they liked about the film. Yeah, I'm super excited to see the response and I'm excited to see how this works out for you guys and, uh, you know, the future. Uh, I'm super excited for both of you to be in this movie. Um, Larissa, what were some of your prominent female inspirations growing up? Like, did you have like an actress that was your like, that you wanted to model yourself after? Like, were there female directors that you, you know, aspire to be like? Oh my gosh, here's the twist. I grew up very seriously into classical ballet. <laughs> I I didn't decide to be an actor until I went to college. So I had a lot of like Russian ballerinas that I was looking up to, Alina Koshikaru and people like that were on my wall. Um, but even... I mean, there is no shortage, I think, of like amazing female role models out there. Sure. Um, and then when I sort of came into my like infancy of acting while I was at college, I was lucky that I was going to school in New York City. And so I could often go to Times Square and go to the theater and see productions there. And I remember seeing Kate Blanchett in a production that I can't remember the name of, but it was an adaptation of a Chekhov play. Uh, and it was just, it's larger than life to see those actors who, you know, you've seen in films since you were a kid uh, and then see them in like in the flesh on stage doing a performance and just being like, I just was sponging it all in. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, I also love, I know Tim Burton is one of my favorite directors. I know that's not really horror or horror related but i love helena bonham carter i love everything that she's ever done oh yeah um, she's she's great fantastic yeah so, yeah. so i mean there's there's that's horror adjacent I, too um it's that's clear. definitely yeah. yeah it's in the universe and and in terms of bridges and, and gateways to, to, to you know we we grew up on that you know nightmare before christmas my kids are, are watching that now. Yeah. And Edward Scissorhands. It, uh, my yeah. wife was watching that the other day. I forgot how brilliant that movie is. Oh my um, God, yeah. It's so well done and so so well acted. Yeah, Edward Scissorhands is the last thing that I saw in cinemas before uh, we went into lockdown. Oh. Uh, at like the Ludlow in Manhattan. Um, and it's, yeah, it's it's so great. And Winona Ryder is also up there on, on my list of like people that I really admire. But I think it's such a... It's such a wonderful time to be looking up to women in this industry, um, especially because I feel like maybe in the 90s, early 2000s, there were very specific kind of beauty standards for women, like the Kate Moss kind of supermodel standard of being extremely skinny and tall and like the low rise jeans (laughs) that didn't help with that problem. Um, But I feel like today that is really changing and that there's no longer that kind of, you know, unrealistic beauty expectation 
um, and like requirement to have look a certain physical way in order to, to work and be really successful in, in the industry. Just thinking about Anya Taylor-Joy is one of my like absolute yeah. favorite um, actors. And I, I actually realized or found out recently that I have like a mutual acquaintance of her. Like someone I knew from school knew her like when she was 13 and I completely oh, wow. lost my mind. <laughs> um, she no longer responds to their Facebook messages presumably <laughs> because she's deleted her Facebook account, you know. Oh, it's so hard to be extremely famous. But um, yeah, that... Also, like, um, Killing Eve, Jodie Comer from Killing Eve, I think is, like, a stunning, stunning actor. But she's also not, not like, a stick figure, which is really, really encouraging for me. And also just getting to also hear people speak more in sort of just their, their real natural voice and their real natural dialect. Maybe this is a bit off topic because we all, all of us South Africans, were doing fake American accents for the... <laughs> for the Slumber Party Massacre remake. And I certainly, we, we got more notes from our dialect coach than we did from Danishka on our acting. It was more important. Stephen Jennings. Let's put Stephen Jennings over. Yeah, probably, he's wonderful. Probably, probably one of the most sought after dialogue coaches in South Africa. And he was just on us night and day. And it would be the funniest thing where it'll be something like someone will be going like, we can't just go there. And he was like, cut. All right. Uh, more of a there, more like add more of the vowels. And I, and I mean, Larissa, I come now. There was nothing fake about my American accent. Besides <laughs> retreat, I, don't, I don't talk that much anyway. But um, I I think that to to Larissa's point, I mean, what what I'm loving and what was kind of like firing in my head as you were talking is what I love. What Danishka's done with this, and as and Sue, Sue as well, the writer, is they've taken a look at every badass woman throughout horror. And they've kind of like done that thing where they just like put them in a box, shake it around and see what happens when they interact with each other. That you're going to see some of the characters and be like, okay, that's Jamie Lee Curtis from Halloween. That's who they're mm -hmm. channeling. Oh, that's, that's something out of Rosemary's Baby. That's Sigourney Reaver from Alien. And I think that that's so cool where you have these very, very, I mean, the biggest, I'm sure Larissa will agree with this, the biggest uh, difference between the first movie and the second movie that the women have, the word I love is agency. These ladies are not sitting around waiting for things to happen to them. These ladies are kind of going out there and they're kind of like making the story come, um, come about with their actions. And as a result, all of them are very badass ladies, but they could not be more different. And I think it's so cool to have um, the last time I was on, we were talking about ensemble costs and how different characterization, different attributes of different actors, as well as different characters interacting creates a compelling story. That's what I felt the entire time. It was like this weird combination of, of watching watching these amazing women act. It was like a combination of like a Broadway play with Charlie's Angels thrown into the, like the Freddy Krueger universe. It was <laughs> and, and 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 to put them over even more, they are the funniest women I've ever had the <laughs> the um, pleasure of working with. Like all of us were in stitches the entire time. Like I'm sad that they um, that they couldn't make it on this one. Hopefully they'll make it on the next one. But I mean, Francis, Francis Addison stitches the entire time. Um, Rez, Rez's laugh. So what would happen is Francis would crack a joke. Then Rez would start laughing. And then Alex would start laughing at Rez's laughter. And by the end of it, the entire, like the entire <laughs> crew was like laughing. on the floor. And it was just it, like, there was so much fun and so much enjoyment in that. I mean, and you, you take, you also get to see, 
a lot of like new careers flourish. Like uh, Larissa, I haven't been uh, privileged enough to see your performance, but I mean, we had Mila Ray, who is mm -hmm. 15 going on 40 in terms of maturity. Like she's unbelievable. It was her first role. And honestly, she brought it, man. Like it was just so incredible to watch this person who it's her first role and she just absolutely slayed it. And I think also kind of like, dealing with the rose tinted glasses of like oh my gosh that's rob from pure and he's sitting right next to me like mm -hmm. this is someone who's like a really big deal um jane devette who i've told you guys i think she's like south africa's rooney mara like i mm -hmm. i love her work and it's so cool to share a movie with her uh unfortunately we didn't share a screen together but it's just it, it's so incredible to think to take a look at that cast list and say there's new talents there's established talents there's kind of burgeoning talents and the mixture and the cohesion between them was just, oh man, it just created such an enjoyable experience to be on set. Very cool. Yeah, I, I want to hit on a couple um, horror films that I think have a strong female presence. Um, we don't have to talk about the movies in detail. I can just sort of rattle them off um, before we wrap here. And I want you guys to be able to kind of plug your stuff um, where people can find you on social and whatnot if you'd like to share that. But um, I think a couple worth noting here <laughs> would be Carrie. Um, the descent uh larissa if if you've not seen the descent um that, that yeah is i'm a, taking notes <laughs> that one specifically um ginger snaps okay. is a cool one uh that's i i I'm, and i'm reading this book right now uh called my best friend's Ex exorcism mm -hmm. and it's about these like uh these friends uh that are in high school in the 80s um two females and they are basically going through you know what you go through in, in school what all of us do um and and you, you 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 there's subtext it's like well does this person really is are they really uh do they really require an exorcism or are they just being a teenager right um and similarly the like movie, having a toddler exactly yeah but ginger snaps <laughs> uh ginger snaps kind of goes through that uh that play on transformation because it's a werewolf film um, but it takes place in a high school where there's a lot of um really really deep uh you know uh bias and 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 challenges for these uh for these teenage girls um but uh the movie us did i mention us no not oh, yet oh yeah um oh for sure teeth uh we, jamie's just watched <laughs> yeah i just watched rewatched teeth time. the other day that's a pleasurable film Ooh. talk about uh tips coming off Jeremy. yeah there are a lot of yeah there are a lot of drill <laughs> drill bits uh in that movie um <laughs> But uh, yeah, th so those were a few I just wanted to mention. Jamie, and any that come to Yeah, mind? no, those are great uh, representations, yeah. And, you know, Alien. Uh, oh, I mean, of course, yeah. yeah, the, yeah. Um, but yeah. I think, what's quite, I think what's quite interesting is also seeing um, it, with, with women in horror, I think that there are like three stereotypes that kind of um, were always present and slowly but surely the the kind of like more black and white segmentations have become like deeper shades of gray where i mean we were talking about midsummer the last time what i love about that movie is that florence Pugh's character starts out like a helpless protagonist then becomes the sort of like she's the mastermind enmeshed. yeah yeah exactly and she 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 then goes to like the main hero with lots of agency and lots of sort of fighting back and by the end of it she's the main villain i mean that's like mm. three 
completely different archetypes. Although, you know what? It, it's it's not very, like, but you could also make the argument that maybe she's not the villain at all. And I think that if you leave a horror movie or any movie with questions rather than, okay, well, that's something that happened. I think that you create that compulsion to either watch the movie again or watch other movies similar to it. Um, the Witch is another female, um, female-led horror or thriller movie. Ghost Story is another one. Um, with a lot of, but like a huge female presence. And I think that what's also interesting is that you also get like some of the most prolific women in horror play the bad guys. You think um, the exorcist, I mean, that's a, you know, that that's a, that's a young woman in the bed where you think about uh, the little girls in the shining. I mean, that's one of the most uh, sought after, like, you know, no, no one's ever been able to recreate that feeling of dread and that feeling of anxiety created by those, two twins in the blue dresses i will say and my in- daughter is always riding a little tricycle around and uh oh, that's, no. that's ruined <laughs> for me and it's terrifying my little three-year-old play with us. yeah <laughs> it's quite unsettling but to uh you hit a point there that i thought was really interesting michael um that larissa kind of mentioned earlier which is basically the idea of like uh I'd, i'm not i'm here to evoke emotion for you not to tell you how to feel because there's there's nothing worse than that, than being like told, hey, this is why this is funny. It's like, no, like be funny and let me laugh and find it funny rather than you say like, OK, well, and that's why it's funny. Right. Um, so I, I think uh, that the Midsummer reference is 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 a good one. And, and thank you, Michael, for you saved Jamie and I's um tiny window and you made it bigger because we were we were out on that movie and then when you made us uh rewatch it for your episode we became big fans um and then someone else picked it yeah. again i feel same with the wwf movie <laughs> um, <laughs> but that's a window that you probably want bolted yeah up for the i'm closing that one up yeah yeah we we did night, so, night of the living dead on that one that. we were uh <laughs> plastering uh wood planks over the window on that. also i had completely erased that movie from my memory until you brought it up this episode so Dude, I, thank you i also yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's, it's amazing how your mind can be like yeah no that was trash i'm gonna uh, we had to just watch delete it on that YouTube. Uh, <laughs> so uh go ahead yeah go ahead larissa plug your stuff uh any anything that you're you're working on that you, you might want to mention, or uh, things that you've been in that you want people to check out, or social media channels that you want people to follow you on? Any this is your moment to say like, hey, interact with me in these these places if you'd like, and if not, you don't have to. Get them followers. Mm. Okay, for sure. I mean, I'm just on Instagram as Larissa Crawford Lazarus, which is a bit of a mouthful, but that um, is my name. Uh, I'm currently, I'm in, I'm back in school now. I'm doing my MFA up at Lambda in London. So I'm a little bit like off the scene for the next two years, but, um, I have, you know, just, there's a short that I did earlier that is out on, on Vimeo. It was a staff pick. It's called ladies room. If you want to check that out. Cool. But, um, other than that, um, I do know that slumber party massacre is coming out here in London on the 28th of November at the Soho horror fest. Oh, very um, cool. And I will be going to that. If anyone, if any of your listeners are listening from London, I'll see you there. Yeah, we do have some folks overseas. Yeah, and... my sister lives in London, actually. So oh, I'll, yeah. I'll make her go. Amazing. <laughs> Great. Um, and Michael, you uh, transformation-wise were uh, a full-time lawyer a year ago that did a little bit of acting, and now you're a full-time actor that does a little bit of lawyering. But uh, 
you've had a lot of success over the past year, man. So plug your stuff, uh, social channels, where can people find you and, um, and what's some of the stuff you've been working on? Well, I really appreciate that guys. Thank you. It's, um, it does, it does feel like a massive change has occurred, but yeah, 2021 has been good. Um, at the moment I'm working on a couple, a couple of things, but the rule is always don't talk about it until it's out. So I'm going to keep it zipped. Let's just say, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be doing some stuff in a bit, and I'm excited. Until then, I'm at What's Potting. That's W H A T S P O T T I N G on everything, unfortunately including TikTok, because that's what you need to do now as an actor. I'm almost thirty year old man on TikTok. Damn it, it's tragic. But uh, What's Potting on pretty much everything. Um, if you like pictures of dogs, Instagram is the place to be for that. And yeah, you uh, tune in for my sardonic tweets every now and again. But otherwise, I am excited for Slumber Party Massacre on the 16th. Um, Sci-Fi Channel, uh, check your check your cable provider for your local listing. Uh, watch it. Don't sleep on this one. This one is this one's a good one, and uh, it's hitting a lot of uh, film festivals around the Texas area and the and the and I think the West Coast, and I think it'll come to the East Coast maybe maybe next month. But yeah, follow me on social media, and you'll I'll be sure to plug the hell out of it. I really hope you guys watch it. Yeah, oh, for we sure. Will. Yeah, we'll we'll coordinate. Maybe we'll do a watch through or something with our patrons. Um, and uh, on our Patreon, Larissa, we'll we'll make sure we share the um, ladies' room uh, short. Oh yeah, definitely from, from Vimeo. <laughs> if you want to forward us a link, I'll make sure um, we share that there too. But we're thrilled, Michael, to see the continued growth of your career, man. Um, and just to be to be buds with you, we appreciate you, uh, Larissa. Cannot wait to see your performance uh, in this movie this coming week. Uh, and to see what's next for you. Um, <laughs> just talking to you over the past hour, we know that you're going to be uh, great and you've got a real bright career ahead of you. Just don't forget about the horror dads once you... Uh, yeah, once you, know. you get your Oscar nominations, yeah. let us know. Oh my God. <laughs> Thanks so much, you guys. This was really, really great to be here. Yeah, we're honored and uh, humbled that you guys reached out to you know meet up and chat about the movie that's been kind of under wraps. And uh, I think as more people catch wind of the movie coming out, it's going to be a huge success. So we're super excited. Well, thanks, guys. We'll, we'll catch you next time. Oh, thank you so Cheers, much. Cheers, guys.